Amen. Thank you, Corey. So as she said, I'm Amy Rieger. I'm our kids pastor here, um, and I get your attention today. So I'm not going to solicit kids ministry, but I am going to, before I say anything else, I'm going to bring Rusty Gevert up, um, because Rusty's awesome, and who doesn't want to see Rusty Gevert? But today's a special day. Today is Rusty's birthday. He is 29 today, and like I said in the first service, um, soon he's going to let us know what his career path is and where he's heading in life. He's been praying about that. So um, today, if you know Rusty, um, you love Rusty because he is an impactful person for the kingdom of God all over the city, but specifically here at North Star. And a lot of what you hear today from me comes because Rusty took an interest in my life and listened to the Lord for me and helped me to navigate what it looks like to love Jesus well. And so um, I would love for us to give him a one, two, three, happy birthday, and then I would love to pray for Rusty. So one, two, three, happy birthday. I didn't make anybody sing. And then if you would just extend a hand, I'd love to pray for Rusty. So Lord, um, we just thank you for this man. We thank you that you made him. We thank you that we get to celebrate him today and all the good that he has done for your kingdom in individual lives and across the city, actually across the globe, let's be honest. So Lord, we just thank you for Rusty and I pray that you would bless him with many blessings today that he would feel celebrated and loved. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks. So um, part of my story is that I grew up down in Bradenton, Florida, and um, we had a huge Young Life at my high school. If you know Young Life, there were um, around, some people do, um, there were around 300 students that would come weekly to our Young Life club from our high school. It was a pretty big high school. Um, But this is where all the cool kids hung out. All the football players, the cheerleaders, the dance team, like all the people that were super cool went there. I know you're gonna like be shocked by this, but I was not super cool in high school. Um, I was kind of a nerd, I played in the band, I was an athlete, which back then, girls were not cool if they were athletes. They are now. Um, but I was not the cool kid, and so I didn't go to Young Life for the first two years of my high school because I felt intimidated to show up there. And then I had a friend who crossed over between those two groups, kind of the cool kids and the not so cool kids, Um, And she invited me, and so I took her up on the offer, and I went to Young Life, and I remember stepping into the room that first day and just being so intimidated, feeling so out of place um, stepping into that space. But I sat down, and I listened, and I heard a bit of the gospel, and I heard more and more and more about Jesus as I kept going and going and going, because something was drawing me. And eventually, that summer, I went to a Young Life camp and gave my life to Jesus, Now, fast forward six years, and I had come home from grad school and had no idea, like Rusty, what I was going to do with my life, and so I was just kind of waiting for the Lord to show up, and my old area director for Young Life came to me and said, hey, we want to start a Young Life club at a different high school in the county. Would you be interested in leading that? I said, sure. Um, I felt a call to ministry at that point in my life. I knew that that was the job that I wanted to do, but I didn't know how that was going to happen. But I also felt a little timid walking back into that space because this was the cool kids club, right? This, this was what I knew to be the cool kids club in high school, and the leaders were all so cool 
as well. And so here I am coming to this place with a degree in sports marketing, not a seminary degree. That was super helpful. Um, I'm not even sure at that point, maybe I had read the Bible from cover to cover at that point. I'm not even sure. But here I was stepping into ministry. Add to that um, my past of having a super broken family. Add to that the reality that I was, I was struggling with a really massive eating disorder because of my massively broken family that I had not dealt with any of the emotional stuff on that end yet. And I felt completely disqualified to be an ambassador for the kingdom of God. There are tons of reasons why people feel disqualified for the kingdom. Tons of reasons. And all series long, this series called Disqualified, we've been telling you and showing you through the book of Matthew how there is no qualification for the kingdom of God. That Jesus comes and he comes to this guy named Matthew who is the worst of the worst, right? The tax collector, the one that doesn't belong, the one that, that isn't the best of the best, and he's actually like despised among all of the people, and Jesus comes to that guy and says, come, follow me. And Matthew becomes an integral part of God's plan for salvation across the earth, the most disqualified. And so we have been saying all series that this is the way Jesus is. He invites us all in. And because of that, we can invite others. Because of that, we can go out to the marginalized. We can go to those who feel disqualified and we can invite them in. And yet, I don't know as I look later on in the book of Matthew if that is completely true about no qualification for the kingdom. I do believe that Matthew sets out and Jesus sets out a huge qualification for the kingdom of heaven in Matthew 18 and 19. And so we're gonna look at that qualification today. And it's not what you think it is. It's, it's not a seminary degree. And we're gonna find out what this qualification for the kingdom of heaven is um, in just a minute. So let me pray for us. God. I pray that as we talk about your kingdom, Lord, that we would honor you. I pray that I would honor you in the words that I speak. God, any motives that I have would be laid down. God, and you would just speak to our hearts today about who you are and what you have for our lives. We thank you that we get to be here in your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, I think, um, I think it's interesting how throughout our lives, we are constantly in different ways in all kinds of different circumstances looking for an answer to the question, do I belong or am I qualified? Our culture has fixated on measuring qualification, hasn't it? I mean, start with a 40 yard dash in third grade, um, go to SAT scores, and then we have resumes and all kinds of qualifications that the, the world is measuring. I just stepped into the dimensional portal of um, travel baseball in my family. This is like a whole nother world. You step through this portal, you're like in a whole nother world. And it is shocking to me, it's not anywhere I ever wanted to be, believe me, but I have a nine-year-old that loves baseball. Um, it's shocking to me how you go to one of these tryouts and they measure everything. How fast you can run, how hard you can throw. Can you get it from third to first in this amount of time? How fast you swing the bat? 
is crazy what they measure. And then they take a bunch of nine-year-olds and they stack them up against one another and they say, you measure up and you don't. You qualify and you don't because of all of these things. And so we learn at a very young age in our culture that there is a lot of qualification needed for us to do the things that we want to do. I think about the 12 guys that hung out with Jesus and how unqualified they must have felt. They weren't the biblical scholars. They weren't the ones who who were going to be following a rabbi. They didn't even have the biblical knowledge that a lot of people around them had at the time and yet Jesus comes to these 12 guys and says, follow me. And I would imagine that they would feel a lot of the times, kind of like I felt when Jim came to me and said, hey, you wanna lead this Young Life Club, kind of like a fish out of water in this setting. And oftentimes, they were front row seats. They had the front row seats to the miracles and the teachings of Jesus, and yet they still had a lack of faith a lot of the time. And in Matthew 17, Jesus had just pointed out that lack of faith when they had tried to heal a demon-possessed boy and then they couldn't do it and then the, the father brings the boy to Jesus and Jesus looks at the disciples and he says, it's because of a lack of faith. You don't have enough faith. Read failure unqualified again. And so right after that, the disciples come to Jesus and they ask him a pretty bold question. We're gonna look at that question. Matthew 18, verse one. He called a little child, at that time the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Can we just say bold move? Like they had just been rebuked for a lack of faith and they come to Jesus and say, who's the best? Okay, Um, but I imagine in that moment, these guys were looking for just a shred of evidence that they belonged, right? They were looking for a shred of evidence that they were qualified. And then Jesus tells them the qualification for the kingdom. And this is what I want us to hear today. He called a little child to them, placed the child among them. And he said, truly I tell you, Unless you change and become like a little child, like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. Wait, what? He brings a little child in their midst and he says, this is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. That's the qualification. It's not a theology degree. It's not an amount of money in the bank, right? It's not the ability to speak to large groups or the anointing of some kind of ministry. The disciples would have taken a huge step back at that statement. Because what we need to know is that children in that culture were not honored. They were a treasure to be sure, but mostly in number and mostly the boys to their parents. They might have given parents status to have a number of children, but for the most part in that culture, children were to be seen and not heard. And so for him to bring a child among them and say this is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, that would be kind of insane. 
What does it mean that the main qualification for the kingdom of heaven is to become like a child? Do you remember being a kid? You remember what it felt like to be a kid? I grew up in Florida and we lived two hours from Disney World. And so as a child, before um, Disney World cost a million dollars to go there, and before you had to like plan it six years in advance, we would go three to four times a year, we'd go to AAA, we'd get the 30 to $40 tickets, we'd drive over to Disney, and we would spend time at the happiest place on earth. It was amazing. And so even as a teenager, I'd, I'd get in my car and drive over there, it was great. Two years ago, we took our family to Disney. Now, I have a six and a nine-year-old, and I hadn't been in probably 20 years. Gosh, how things have changed. It's like a whole thing now. And it took way too much time to organize this trip, and it took way too much money to take this trip. But my husband will attest to you, when we walked into the Magic Kingdom and I saw Main Street, I freaking lost my mind. Like, I completely lost my mind. I started skipping down the street <laughs> because there was a parade at the end of it. And the parade had Mickey and Donald and Goofy and all of the characters singing to me, to me. <laughs> and I was like jumping up and down like a three-year-old child. In that moment, I wasn't worried about our schedule. I wasn't worried about taxes. I wasn't worried about the pile of work that I had on my desk at home. I wasn't even worried about my children. <laughs> I am thankful I have a grown up as a husband. <laughs> and he did the thing that they needed, right? And they kind of skipped after me because they were excited about what they were seeing. I was in that moment, every, I was just present with every fiber in my being experiencing this joy. Now, truly, although the direction was admittedly misplaced, my heart was in a childlike state of worship, affection, and wonder at what I was experiencing. I was there in the moment, present with joy. And I think, when I think about what Jesus was trying to communicate when he said, that this is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven and pointing to a child, I think that's what he was trying to communicate to the disciples, part of it. What do we know about young children? They are so exuberant and excited all the time. They say, wow, more than anyone I know. Kids are like, wow, wow, wow. They are trusting beyond measure. I can tell my kids anything and they'll believe me. It's probably not smart on their part, but they trust, they are so trusting. And they get excited over the smallest things. We were at Red Robin the other day, and my six-year-old gets mac and cheese, and when the waitress comes to bring the mac and cheese, he's like, this is the best day ever. I've been waiting for this my whole life. Secret, the mac and cheese at Red Robin is not very good. And he loved it. He loved it. Now, when you can walk out of the house wearing rain boots, cargo shorts, a swim shirt, and a Viking hat, you're secure. 
Like there is security in who you are, right? This is the heart of a child. Contrast that with adults, right? Contrast that with us. We are cynical. We don't trust easily. Trust has been kind of knocked out of us, hasn't it, in many ways? We have this attitude sometimes of, oh, I've been there, I've seen that, like I'm not gonna get too excited. Like we don't wanna look like a fool so we get embarrassed easily. We, we let shame like sit on us for a long amounts of time and so we don't, we don't experience the world with wonder like kids do. And what the kingdom of heaven offers us, what God offers us, what Jesus was trying to say to his disciples is there is this kingdom of heaven that is full of awe and wonder. There is a God who does what he says he's going to do and is who he says he is, and we have access to him. And so as we walk out our faith, we need to be walking it out like a child, trusting in awe and wonder of what God is doing. I love that about my kids and about so many of your kids back in the back that I get to experience all the time is they don't question whether God's gonna do what he says he's gonna do. They just believe it and they step into it and they trust it and they pray for it. My kids pray that storms would miss us and they do. They are not afraid to see someone hurting and pray for healing for that person because they fully believe that God is going to do it. They know the power of the kingdom because we've told them and they step into it with a childlike wonder. And when it happens, they go, yes, that was the best day ever. We were at camp, um, Signs and Wonders camp not too long ago with the kids um, here from North Star and there was this giant storm bearing down on the camp. And, and the leaders and the kids and everybody were praying. And not kidding you, what that storm did, whoosh, around camp. And the kids got to see the wonder of God, the power of God and the power of praying into the atmosphere and what God does when we do that. That is the attitude of a child. And so Jesus tells us, if we're going to be kingdom people, which is what we say we all want to be, we better learn how to be kids when it comes to these areas. He's also making a statement about the kingdom of heaven. When in the Jewish community, in the Hebrew culture, when they would say the kingdom of heaven, what they meant was the people of God acting like this. So what Jesus is saying is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, this is how the people of God should act. This is how the people of God should move. The people of God behaving like this. This is the true of the people of God. They are dependent on the Father. They trust and they are full of awe and wonder. He also tells us in that statement that we need to take the lowly position of a child The words in Greek there used are to be humble, to make low, to be ranked below the others, to have a modest opinion of ourselves. Kids are some of the most humble people I know. They lose it as they get older, right? But when they're little, they're so humble. They're so humble, right? The second part of the qualification has to do with humility of heart and lowly position. I think in our culture, we are pushed to take ourselves way too seriously. 
We are pushed to be always trying to be first, to always be trying to be in the front of the line and fear of being the back of the line. And we struggle to put ourselves into a place of dependence because we are way too self-sufficient. And so the humility of a child means letting go of our self-sufficiency and coming in a humble position to the God who owns a cattle on a thousand hills. We don't have to be self-sufficient when we come into the presence of God because he is our sufficiency. And so we can lay down all of our pretense and our pride and our, our going for position and we can just come to God as who he created us to be, humble. Jesus talks about humility as one of his main points in so many of his parables, right? The first will be last, the last will be first. Whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. And one of the last things we see him do before he goes to the cross is wash the disciples' feet. True humility, humbling himself before them and then the cross. The greatest form of humiliation that Jesus could have ever gone through, he went to the cross for you and for me, modeling this humility for us. So I think there's a theme when Jesus looks at a child who are humble and who are typically last, and he says, be more like them. Sounds easy, but it's not, it's simple. It's not easy, it's simple. So what are we afraid of in letting go of holding tight to our positions? of holding tight to our status, of holding tight to our performance. Kids have none of these things, little ones, and yet they're the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So interestingly, one chapter later, in Matthew 19, Jesus was in Judea doing what he does. He was healing, he was teaching, he was answering ridiculous questions from the Pharisees. And people started to bring their kids to him and the disciples who had heard like five minutes ago that children were the greatest said, nope, nope, he didn't have time for you guys. Can't bring the kids to him. And Jesus looks at them and is probably like, are you kidding me? Like I just told you. I do that to my kids all the time. I just told you five minutes ago. They forget, we forget. And he says, let the little children come to me do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Like really, you must have missed the point the first time, so let me say it again. The kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. He's not saying it only belongs to children, just such as these, those who will trust and come to the Father in dependence. Now, let's be clear, he is not saying be immature. I mean, he rebukes the disciples again and again for their immaturity. He is saying, come to the Father with a childlike heart. But here's the deal, and here's where it gets real for some of us. You cannot come to Jesus in childlike faith if you don't know God as a father. Let me say that again. You cannot come to Jesus in childlike faith if you don't know God as a father. And that is the hard stop for many of us. Because in order to be a child, you've got to have a father. 
And this kind of experience with God requires us to trust, requires us to come to God as a good dad who is going to take care of all of our needs, who is going to lift us up, who is going to speak words of security over us. And I think for many of us, while we want to believe that to be true, it's just really hard for us. Now maybe, maybe you had an awesome dad. Okay, some of you in this room had an amazing father who lifted you up, who taught you all the things, who showed you what the love of God looked like. And I am so glad that that is your story and that is awesome because if you had an amazing dad, who taught you all of these things and modeled that for you, you are 10 steps ahead when it comes to trusting God as a good father and having a childlike heart. That's amazing. But I don't know about you, from my conversations that I have on a weekly basis, that's usually not my experience with people. That's not the story that I keep hearing because the truth is our dads are all broken people. They're all broken humans. And so even if you had the most amazing father, he still didn't live up to every expectation. There was still failure there on some level, and so we still have brokenness and woundedness, and some grew up with a father that wasn't there at all, and so there's a lot of brokenness and woundedness there. For some of you right now, I'm hitting a very tender space. I know it's tender for me. I know it's tender for me because I didn't have a dad that was trustworthy. My dad left. When I was young, he left for work. When I was older, he left for another family. He held a very high standard of perfection and performance, and we were very aware when we didn't hit that standard growing up. And so there's a lot there of what a father should look like and what a father, earthly father does look like. And maybe that's more of your story than the great dad story, is that you had a dad who was absent or distant. And so when I say, trust God as a father, you think, I don't even have a reference point for that. I wouldn't even know what that looks like to trust God as a father because you never had a chance to do that with your earthly dad. Or maybe your story's even more traumatic than that, is that you had an abusive dad. You had a dad that abused you physically or emotionally or verbally, who created fear in you, where you walked through things that nobody should ever have to walk through with a father. And if either one of those stories are yours, I am so sorry that that is your story. And I know the Father in heaven is so sorry that that is your story because that's not easy. That's not easy because God created the family specifically and the Father specifically to reflect his character and love to his kids. That was the point of family when, when God created the original creation, and yet it's broken. And so we all have broken views of what a father might look like, what a father might be willing to do or not willing to do, or might show you or not show you. 
But here's the deal. And I want you to hear me really clearly because until we understand this and begin to lean in and heal from our broken identities as kids, we will not experience the full abundance of what God has for us. Here it is. God isn't a reflection of your earthly father. He is the perfection of your earthly father. That is who our God in heaven is. He isn't a reflection of your earthly dad, no matter if your dad was awesome or not awesome. He is not a reflection of your father. He is the perfection of what your father should have been. That's the dad that we get to come to with a childlike faith. That's the father. All of the things, imagine in your mind, if your dad could have done it the way you would have wanted him to do it, whether he was great or not great. That's your father in heaven. He's the one that brings you security. He's the one that has unconditional love for you, who says, way to go, even if you mess up. He's the one that continually chases after you and your heart in every aspect. He's the one that knows you fully and wants to be known by you. He's the one that has appropriate intimacy with you. He's the one that wants to whisper in your ear all the secrets that he has. That's our heavenly father. And that's what Jesus invites us into. And Jesus models this. He models what it looks like to be a child and have childlike faith because he does that with his dad. He depended on the father. He spent intimate time with the father. He asked the father every time he was gonna do something, he asked the father what to do and then he obeyed him. And when he was in his most agony, the most agonizing place of his entire life, right before the cross, where did he go? He ran to his father. Even if he didn't like what the answer was going to be, he ran to his father because he trusted that his father loved him with a perfect love. And he invites us to run to the father no matter what circumstance we're in because we can have a childlike trust that our dad has the very best for us. And he proved what the father's love was like when he went to the cross for you and for me and he hung up there and he could have come off the cross and he didn't and he did it and he said this is the father's love this is the love that that covers all of your dad's sins this is the love that covers all of your sins this is the love that covers everything you get to be a kid and that is the key to the kingdom of heaven so is it a qualification Maybe no, maybe it's more of a quality of the qualified. That as we mature, we become more childlike. That's crazy. As we become more mature, we become more childlike. Because all the mess that, that's holding us from the childlike starts to fall off. And we're able to run to the dad that loves us. Say, daddy, what do you have today? What are we doing today? How fun is that? We get to run like a three-year-old running down Main Street, skipping and jumping and looking for Mickey, but we're looking for the father 
and we're saying, let me worship you. We get to do it all with God as a father when we're like a child. So here's a couple quick application pieces for us. One, put yourself, I wanna challenge you to put yourself in situations where you get to be like a kid with the father, where you can respond to Abba. It's what Jesus called him. It means daddy sort of, but not fully, but that's the best we have is daddy, where you can say, Abba, Father, and you can come to him as a child in that place where you can meet with him heart to heart, where you're alone, where you're not worried about anything else, but come into those places where you can come in that place, learning to trust him. One of the the great things we do here is the prayer room on Fridays from 12 to one. We have this space where you can just come and be like a kid before God. You can twirl flags, you can lay out on the floor, you can sit in a chair, you can walk around, you can just be a kid before him. So I challenge you in that. Find private time with him, adventures with him on your own, whatever it takes to get in the place where you get to be like a kid with God and let go of all the other things, that's what you want to do. Number two, I'd say this, is engage with the parts of your story that make it hard for you to engage with God as a father. I wanna invite you, it's a hard invitation, to step into the parts of your story that make it hard for you to engage with God as a father. And maybe that means stepping into counseling, maybe it means coming up for prayer at the end here, maybe it means asking for prayer, for a longer session of prayer, maybe it means you just go to God with all of the stuff and lay it down before him, whatever that looks like, engage with that part of your story. We can help you with resources in that area if you need resources. And the last part is an invitation for today. We're gonna invite you into an experience with God. And we're gonna invite you to be like a child. So I'm gonna invite the band back up here because we need to be willing to come to God on that terms, on those terms of being like a child. And sometimes that means looking foolish or thinking it's gonna feel foolish to do what God asks you to do. But Jesus even says that that he's going to use the foolish, right, to make the wise look foolish. So he's gonna shame the wise with the foolish and so we're gonna be foolish in his presence. And we're gonna let him in to those guarded places. And so I'm gonna invite you now to close your eyes. And Lord, we just invite you into this moment in time. We ask for your spirit to come. We ask for you to be present. God, we tell all distraction to go out of the room. Now in Jesus' name, all confusion go out of the room in Jesus' name. And we just invite your presence, your awesome presence, Lord. And so I'm gonna invite you and myself, all of us, I'm gonna invite us to imagine ourselves as a child. Pick a place. Just find yourself as a child. Lord, I I just wanna give you our imaginations right now. 
to use them for your kingdom, use them for our relationship with you. And as you imagine yourself as a child, I want you to imagine Jesus there with you. What is the look on his face? What is his body language saying about how he feels about you? as you're in that place, I want you to think about maybe one thing that keeps you from being a child at heart in your faith with him. And I want you to hold it in your hands. What is that one thing? What is one of the things that holds us back from meeting God with a childlike heart? What does that look like? Hold it in your hands. It might be pride. It might be fear. And I want you to, if you're willing, Jesus never takes anything from us. He always invites us to give to him. He's a gentleman in that way. And so if you're willing and you want to give that thing, to Jesus, I want you to, in your mind's eye, imagine yourself being willing to give that thing to him and see what he does with it. Maybe he puts it in his pocket or he throws it out somewhere. that thing go how is your posture toward Jesus and what might he want to say to you in this moment for meeting us here in this tender moment. 
God, we want our hearts to be childlike. We want the keys to the kingdom. We want to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. These children, they are so pure in heart. And you say, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. Lord, we want to see you. Help us, Father, to come to you with a pure, humble heart full of wonder and awe in everything that you do. You are always working. You're always inviting, bringing us near, maturing us with this childlike faith. God, let us look at you like a child looks at a bowl of mac and cheese. It's the best day ever because we get to be with our dad. in that place stay in that place if you just want to stay with him in that spot that's great if you want to stand and worship with us we're going to worship a little bit the prayer teams are going to come up and we would love for you to also take communion if you want to take communion because his body was broken and his blood was spilled so that we could be in this place with him so lord we thank you for your body and your blood we thank you for everything that you give us and we just we worship you with all of our hearts lord let us look foolish Let us be like a kid, meeting with their dad, getting so excited. We love you, in Jesus' name. Go ahead and stand and let the prayer team come forward.